You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Hello there, what is up? My name is Andy Last and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode 324. On the show today, I will be catching up with Color Theory. I don't think I've talked to him in at least three years, I think. Uh, We did an interview many years ago now and at one point we toyed with doing a recurring segment. There was that season where Computer Magic came on to do a video game segment and then I was going to have Color Theory come on and do a segment on like marketing and stuff which I think we did two or three times and then just like everything else I do I drop it because I want to do something else but the point is Brian's a cool guy he makes cool music and we will be catching up with him in just a bit I have a bunch of things to catch everybody up on as you know I was in the process of moving now I have moved But nothing is set up yet, so it's still a bit of a mess, but I didn't want to go too long without producing a new episode of the show, because I think it's already been several weeks, and I know there's awesome people out there who support the show on Patreon and PayPal, and I don't want to let you down. Just you supporters, by the way. Everybody else can go fuck themselves, as far as I'm concerned. And we have a bunch of cool music to listen to. I figure since uh, Color Theory makes the synth pop, we'd have more of a synth pop playlist today. I think there's still an instrumental track in there, and some of this stuff isn't super synth-poppy, but it's all like uh, vocal, electronic music stuff. We've got some tracks coming up from Thought Beings, Zarina, Elixir, and Sandor Gavin, 70, which is Video Void's alternate project, Annie, featuring Von Herzog, Blacklight, and Peter Wilson, so we're going to be listening to all those songs, and then we'll be chatting with Color Theory. So how about we get the show started, listen to some music, and then I'll catch you up on a whole bunch of things. So let's listen to this one from from Thought Beings, brought to you by the amazing Kings of the Pattersons. I'm, of course, talking about Chris Dance, Mike Shima, and Mystery Donor. And what the hell, let's throw Mike Erdahl in there. You're all kings in my mind. All right, so let's listen to this. This is Thought Beings with Saturn's Rings.
And that was Saturn's Rings by Thought Beings from the album Wave Spell. And if you dig that, I had Thought Beings on the show last season, and that was a, a fun interview. Can you hear that lawnmower in the background? This is my new space where I'm going to be recording, but it hasn't been soundproofed yet because we are still in the process of unloading boxes and stuff like that. And I do want to do a bit of soundproofing in this room and some sound treating, but I'm not going to do it the super professional way. I know that I don't even like talking about this stuff out loud because the second you're like, hey, I was thinking of doing some soundproofing, maybe put up some moving blankets and some egg cartons for sound treatment, you know, doing it the budget way, right? Because I'm not a rich man. And of course, everyone you talk to is going to tell you like, oh, you're soundproofing, huh? Well, you're going to want to do, you know, two layers of drywall in between uh, six inches because you're going to want some space in there and then uh, possibly another layer of uh, space and drywall and you're going to want to use this special glue and stuff. I'm like, yeah, if I had money and if I could fucking build, sure, I'll build a few extra walls, but I'm not going to do that because I'm, uh, what's the word? There's a classier way of saying cheap, right? You know, like a spendthrift or... No, is that the word? (laughs) Anyway, the point is, um, I'm already in sort of a small space right now, and I really don't want to build more walls. So I'm probably never going to tell you people what I'm going to do to soundproof this place, because I'm just going to get nerds complaining that I didn't do it right. Oh, you're using that phone? Well, what you really want to do is you want to go to Sweetwater, and you want to buy a $500 fucking sound foam pads or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I'll get right on that. (laughs) I'll get right on the $10,000 job of soundproofing this room properly. Or you'll get the nerds that go like, well, technically there is no such thing as soundproofing because there's always going to be sound waves bleeding through and blah, blah, blah. And real soundproofing would take like fucking one meter squared around the perimeter of the room of layers of drywall and air and foam and sound deadening wood chips or whatever. I don't know what the fuck. So... The point is, uh, you're never going to hear about this again, but hopefully, um, as I record in this new space, uh, the audio will improve. Although maybe you think the audio sounds fine now. And when does it matter anyways? Because even when I'm done, I just compress the shit out of the show, so... (laughs) Oh, see, you hear that? You hear that echo? So that's some of the thing I got to uh, I got to work on, but that's about sound treatment. Okay, look, let's listen to some music and then I'll let you know all about the move because I got some help from some awesome people. Uh, so let's listen to this track from Zarina from the album Painted Holograms. Uh, it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Kroner Club. We got Hampus ML, we got Emil, and we got Glenn Main. And they're all cool, cool people, and I'm grateful to them. I'm also grateful to the members of the $50 Club, Mr. Brandon Decker and Mr. Tim Carlton. That's right. All right, so let's listen to this. This is Zarina with Silence and Surrender.
And that was Zarina with Silence and Surrender from the album Painted Holograms. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters like Jacob Wick, my semi-sonic friend, and Retro Serenade with the 3333 and Hugh Hefner in the 2666 Club. All right, so here's a cool thing. Apparently, you can book a month in advance a U-Haul moving truck And then a day before you're meant to pick it up, they can just call you and say they don't have it, which is exactly what happened to me. (laughs) So this is all new to me, by the way. I had no idea this was possible. So a month in advance, I'm like, listen, I'm going to need a 20-foot truck on Saturday, July the 1st, and I'm going to need it at 7 a.m. That was what I ordered. And then the day before, I get a call that goes, yeah, we don't have a 20-foot truck, uh, but I do have a 15-foot truck at 11 a.m. And I'm like, what? What was the point of the fucking booking? Like, I, I, I was so stunned that I didn't even know how to be sarcastic in that moment. I was just sort of confused by the call because I'm like, okay, I wanted a 20-foot truck to be safe because I'm not good at sizing up what will fit in a truck, okay? As much as I love Tetris, I don't necessarily have an eye for 3D Tetris, especially when it comes to sorting furniture and stacking it into a truck. So I thought, you know what? I'll be on the safe side. I'll get a 20-foot truck. Then presumably everything will fit in there. And then the lady's just like, yeah, we only have the 15-foot truck. At 11 a.m., by the way, which is five hours later, because I was hoping to do this stuff early, you know, get the loading of the truck done early so that we could be on the road by lunchtime. And I'm thinking, what if I actually needed a 20-foot truck? Like, what if some of the articles of things that were fitting in there was like a 20-foot couch and a, you know, like, whatever. Like, I just think, like, in that circumstance, what would have happened exactly? You know, sometimes you book your move on a specific day for a specific reason. Maybe that's the day you can get help. Maybe that's the day that the stuff has to be out of the apartment. So I don't know what would have happened if I was in that situation. But all the major things did end up fitting in the van, all thanks to the help of some awesome people, some of whom from the Synthwave community who, uh, who came to help me out. Uh, in a big way, and I'm going to tell you all about that uh, after we listen to a song from Elixir and Sandor Gavin, brought to you uh, by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club, like Mr. Clint Dowling, Mr. A Star Apart, Mr. Alex Seligson, Mr. Blake Peterson, and Mr. Cargo Cult Luau, and I uh, hope you dig this. This is Elixir and Sandor Gavin with Feels Like Magic, the Horizons 19 19- 1982 Remix.
That was Elixir and Sandor Gavin with Feels Like Magic, the Horizons 1982 remix. And uh, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, we're talking about awesome people like Eurobeat Intensifies, Honeybeard, Johnny Five, Joseph Richards, and Ken Giroux. Ken Giroux! And uh, yeah, so... Big thank you now to the people who came out and helped because I could not have done it without them. Now, if you follow Beyond Synth on Instagram, which I believe is just Beyond underscore Synth, I did make a post about this. So Julian, a.k.a. Neon Fox, who you know uh, used to come on this show regularly with the High Five, who has uh, his own Synthwave show, him and uh, and Dennis, the state of Synth on Night Ride FM. And uh, Julian was a humongous help, let me tell you, because he... 
drove the truck. Because as you might remember, if you pay attention to this show, I don't drive. Although I am going to have to get my license because I'm in a small town now and it's sort of, there is no buses or trains or anything. So I think at the age of 40, I might have to finally get my driver's license. (laughs) I guess uh, all of you will be along for the ride for me on that one. The trials and tribulations of uh, (laughs) Andy, the 40-year-old, getting his driver's license. And I'll probably be sitting in a room with a bunch of 16-year-olds and... (laughs) (laughs) So Julian basically volunteered a whole day of his time. Like, I mean, 24 hours because he came to pick up the truck with me at 11 and then he drove it to the house. And then he, along with uh, several other people, helped me load up the truck. And then Julian drove the truck, a three hour drive out of Toronto to my hometown. And then he stayed the night at my house. And then we brought him back to Toronto the next day. And he also helped unload the truck as well. So a huge, huge thank you to Mr. Neon Fox. Because that was... I could literally not have done it without him. Because my wife wanted us to get a moving company. I said, sure. And so I phoned a couple. And when they said how much it was going to cost... That's when I was like, ooh, I think we need a backup plan. Because it was literally going to be something like $3,500. And I don't know about all of you, but, uh, you know, that's a lot of money. (laughs) So I was like, fuck, I got to come up with another plan. But I wouldn't have been able to drive the truck. I was really thinking, well, shit, how am I going to do this? Like, I'm not in college anymore. I'm not surrounded by all my college buddies who can help me move things. And I'm not a super strong guy. I've always, uh, you know, relied on the kindness of my friends, especially the strong ones, <laughs> to help me when it's time to move things. And I was like, what am I going to do now? Like, all my college friends, they're all sort of like out of the city. Uh, they've moved away, you know, living in the outskirts and stuff. And I'm like, I, I can't really ask them to, like, do, like, you know, a big drive to come in just to help me fucking carry things into a moving truck. And we're all, like, 40 now, you know? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I thought, I mean, Julian's here. Maybe he knows someone who can help out or whatever and then I asked him and then he volunteered and it was an amazing help so that's my shout out to Julian Mr. Neon Fox uh, go listen to the state of synth so Julian's a cool guy and that was uh, a, a pretty amazing thing so uh, that is a sincere thank you to Mr. Neon Fox now let's listen to some music I would like to listen to this one from 70 that is the number 70 it is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club we're talking about Neverman Restless Nights Robot Conglomerate Sir Micathy, your imaginary friend Petey, and Slade. And this is 70 with the track SS00999. <laughs>
And that was 70 with the track SS00999. Uh, I don't know what that means. Is that like the name of a star or something? Is this a constellation? I have no idea. Anyways, it's a cool song, and uh, it was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. We're talking about Forged in Neon with the 2049. We're talking about Joshua Winter with the 20. And Mr. Whale and Kasky Geospatial with the 1988. We're continuing the move story here because I have more people to thank. There was, of course, uh, Neon Fox. Then, Mr. Marcus Method, who is a knife thrower extraordinaire and beard haver. Do you call them that? Beard? Do you wear a beard? You have a beard. Anyways, the point is, uh, Marcus is a cool guy. He comes out to a lot of the synthwave shows, and he's a big, strong, strapping lad. And he throws knives. Yeah, he is a Marcus Method on Instagram. His hashtags include camping, kayaking, knife throwing, tomahawks, archery, beard. (laughs) Uh, He's a good guy and uh, most notably a strong guy because it was basically him and uh, my other pal, Lunar Baboon, a.k.a. Chris, who is a very talented web cartoonist who is actually really, really popular. So he <laughs> he doesn't need my help. I think like his, what, what are his, his following is like in the hundreds of thousands, isn't it? Hold on. 663,000 on Instagram? Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lunar Baboon doesn't need my help in fucking... <laughs> Just a little shout out to this little known cartoonist with 663k followers. <laughs> Fuck sakes. <laughs> anyway, the point is, uh, he also came out, and it was basically him and Marcus that were lifting all the heavy things. Like, I'm not gonna lie, there were just some stuff there though. I was just like, had my arms crossed, just watching them go, like, yep, yep, that, that's where it goes, boys. You know, like. <laughs> So I couldn't have done it without the help of this amazing trio. And Marcus, uh, he brought over these like moving gloves, you know, that have sort of like the surface on the palms that help you lift things. And they were amazing. And he brought enough for everybody. He brought like a pack of fresh moving gloves. They're awesome. They make you feel like Spider-Man because almost everything you pick up, you just have so much grip on stuff. It makes things feel lighter. Like when you go to grab a box instead of your hand like slipping around or whatever, like as you're picking it up, your hand just doesn't move and you can grab things and move things so much easier. So I've literally been using these gloves because I kept them all for like as I'm moving things around the house and getting organized and it's been they've been so helpful so that was like one of the coolest things so A like Marcus when he came out and just offered the uh, strength and uh, the agility of a tomahawk thrower and, and knife thrower but also these gloves which are like my new favorite thing I love putting these on. You just feel like Spider-Man. Like, whenever you go grab a box, like, it just sticks to your hand as you pick it up. And it was uh, really, really helpful. And, uh, you know, I didn't ask him to do that. I just said, hey, man, can you come out? And then he showed up and uh, on his own initiative brought these gloves, which made the whole process so much easier. And uh, it was really super helpful. So, anyway, so a big shout out and thank you to Marcus Method. Go follow him on Instagram if you want to see slow motion videos of someone throwing knives into a target uh, with a beard. And, of course, Mr. Lunar Baboon, who uh, <laughs> he should be shouting me out because I think I need his help. Because, I don't know, but I don't know if his audience would really appreciate uh, a synthwave podcast such as this because his cartoons are often sentimental and stuff. And I don't know that Beyond Synth is uh, 
too sentimental of a show, although this episode seems to be. Anyways, a uh, big thank you to all those people who helped out. I couldn't have done it without them. Mr. Neon Fox, Mr. Marcus Method, Mr. Lunar Baboon. Thank you so much. And uh, if you want to go check out the Beyond Synth on Instagram, you can see the picture of us posing in front of the truck. And of course, I'm in the front of the picture like I'm the most important, even though I did the least amount of lifting. And this is a track <laughs> from Annie featuring Von Herzog, and it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, in the 1985 Club, we have the Buchelman sisters, Rachel and Sarah. We got Dinner Dog in the 1950 Pound Club, and we got Gene Kramer Private Eye with the 1555 Rawr with the 15 Mads Baron Christensen and we will never forget the immortal Chris Salia Lane and this is Annie featuring Von Herzog with Danger Electricity
And that was Danger Electricity by Annie featuring Von Herzog. And uh, that was brought to you by my awesome PayPals. That's right, the king of the PayPals, Upgrade Jimpy. He's a cool guy. And then there's Ross Bruce, the Silver Bruce, who upgraded his support. And I have a note from Ross Bruce. He says, Heard the news about your father. I hope he can recover, and I wish him and your family the best in these trying times. You're a good son, Andy, for helping him. I went through a similar experience with my father almost two years ago. I had to move to assist my parents when he became ill. Luckily, he has made a complete recovery. I hope the same for yours. Take care, Ross. Well, thank you, Ross, uh, for your awesome support of the show. And, uh, yeah, and, and who else are we thanking here? We're thanking all the PayPals. We're thanking Alex Lightspeed in the 1984 Club. I think you can pre-order that album now on uh, Rosso Corsa. Then there's Austin Whetstone, Jimmy Groon, the Rosconian, Brandon Morin, Digital Dreams, Gustav Velichek, Dan Williams, Russell Nyes, Timothy Warwick, Jersey, Brian West, Dominus Lux, Michael Sackey. Oh, and I should say that Jersey sent me a message. He says, For when you gaze long into the Beyond Synth, the Beyond Synth gazes also into you. And that is a quote from Frederish W. Synth. And he says, as a super authentic quote, it sounds authentic to me. But the point is, thank you, Jersey, for your support. I have a request, actually, because obviously uh, I'm, I'm very grateful for all the people who support the show on uh, PayPal and at Patreon. But there are other ways you can support the show as well. Rate and review the show on iTunes. I mean, this show is posted on all the services, right? Like, you can get it on Stitcher and SoundCloud and Spotify and iTunes and stuff. So, if ever you're bored and you have nothing to do, or maybe you want to take a minute right now, just go and rate and review the show on iTunes. Oh, and give it five stars. Because there's only, I think there's only one review on iTunes, and it's from, like, one of my old friends from high school, and so he's written a sort of sarcastic review. He did give it five stars, but said it was out of pity. So it would be cool. I don't know if that helps. Apparently it helps. So if you're one of those people who listen to the show, and maybe you don't support it, but you want to do something kind for the show, that is something you can always do, is rate and review the show on iTunes. I don't think, can you rate and review on Spotify? I don't know if that's a thing. But it definitely is on iTunes. I'll look into that. The point is, let's listen to this song from Black Light. And it's uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. You know what? We're going to do a random shout-out this week to a few of my awesome Patreons. We're talking about Marcus Nord, Non Solo Ingles, Fuzzy Saber, Jacob Hafstrom, Jonathan Harden, Dave Woolston, Seiford, and River Avenue. And this is Black Light with Isolation, the Nature of Wires remix.
And that was Isolation by Blacklight, the Nature of Wires remix. And uh, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. We're going to do a random shout out to Joe Esposito, Zykorax, Kai, Roman, Nathan Winter, Will Lowe, Russ Nyes, Seach, and Simon Norberg. And we are back. This is Beyond Synth. We'll be having a catch up with Color Theory very soon. I do want to say that I recently rewatched the movie 2010, which I hadn't seen since I think the 90s when I watched it the first time. And I sort of wrote it off because obviously 2001 A Space Odyssey is a classic film that's very well regarded. And I think people sort of dismiss or have forgotten that they made a sequel, 2010, which was made in 1984. And I think if you've never seen 2010 and, you know, you're a big fan of this whole scene and retro stuff and 80s things, I think you owe it to yourself to revisit that movie because it's not bad. Obviously, it's not the same type of movie as 2001. It's definitely way more explicit. Uh, I don't mean sex stuff. I mean, like, you know, 2001 is a movie that does very little to explain what's going on, right? It's all about the atmosphere and the mood. You know, like the classical music and they like they show you these amazing images, but they don't ever really fully explain what is happening. And the movie 2010 is a much more straightforward narrative that really sort of spells out what's going on. Obviously, there's still mysteries surrounding like what the obelisk really is and stuff like that. But, you know, the beginning of 2010 just like there's just text on screen that just sums up the plot of 2001 <laughs> like <laughs> and then he went to Jupiter and then there was a giant obelisk that was uh, two kilometers long on the Lagrange point between Jupiter and its moon Io or whatever and then Dave got lost in that thing and Dave reported back right before he went in and all this other stuff and it's not a perfect movie like it does have this sort of narration so Roy Scheider's the main guy it's all about how they return to Discovery and you know reactivate Hal and they wanted to figure out what went wrong and all this stuff I'll just say this, because if you're into retro stuff and if you're into 80s movies and things, 2010, regardless of how you see it as a sequel to 2001, on its own, in my opinion, is a really good 80s sci-fi movie. Like, it's high budget, the effects are good, it's got a synth score... You know, it's kind of creepy in places. It's a bit more Hollywood than 2001 is. There are definitely some moments that are like, why is the guy leaving the ship right as the rockets are about to fire? Like, you'd think a smart scientist would have got out of here, like, way sooner than they... Like, there's just moments like that that they do to, like, build excitement and stuff. And then there is this Roy Scheider narration where, like, during the movie, he's, like, sending messages to his wife and sort of explaining the plot <laughs> to her, like, through emails, which I could have done with out. It sort of reminded me of Blade Runner in a way. Uh, the original cut with uh, Harrison Ford's narration where like sometimes he's narrating things where you're like, well, I can gather this information without the narration. Like, why is he talking? But other than that, it, I, it's a solid movie. So go go watch 2010, alright? It's a cool film. I think it's even a pretty good sequel even though it is very different in tone to 2001. I think it's okay. And it's based off Arthur C. Clarke's novel and apparently it's actually a pretty faithful adaptation. So, there you go. Anyways, Look, how about this? Let's listen to one more song and then we will 
catch up with Color Theory. So I want to listen to this one. Aztec Records, they put out this uh, compilation album called Pure Italo Disco Volume 1. And this is a Pure Italo track, but it made me happy. Sometimes listening to this music makes me happy. You know, it reminds me of like listening to dance music in the 90s or whatever. So that's a lot of fun. And it's a fun compilation overall. It wasn't necessarily new songs. It was just uh, songs from various artists, some of them on Aztec Records and some of them not. And uh, if you like Italo Disco tracks, and that's a, that's a good one to check out. But I uh, I want to listen to this one by Peter Wilson. And it's uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Let's do a random shout out. I want to shout out Argen1981, Fraser Davidson, Katner Night Raptor, Matthew Lister, Junkmail Jeff, and Stu Triple the M. And this is Peter Wilson with Take My Heart.
And that was Take My Heart by Peter Wilson, which you can find on the Pure Italo Disco Volume 1 from Aztec Records, or uh, you can just check out Peter Wilson's stuff on Bandcamp. And don't forget, you can check out all the artist I features. I features. <laughs> because if you click on the Show More button, if you're on SoundCloud or More Info or whatever, if you're looking in the, you know, the Spotify or iTunes description or the episode description is what I'm trying to say, you can get all the artist links. So I don't just post one link. I post all of their links that I can to their social medias or whatever. And I suggest that you do because obviously, you know, I like sharing awesome music and I think it'd be cool for the people listening to the show to check out the artists that I feature. And uh, I want to do a quick shout out to some random Patreons. We're talking about Poly Digital, Ross Pentland, Tristan Waits, Timothy Pierce, and Dex. So thank you so much for supporting the show. And of course, all of you listeners, if you would like to support Beyond Synth, and I appreciate it when you do, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or you can go to beyondsynth.com and click on the PayPal button. There's ways there where you can do one-time donation, or if you like, you can also set up a a monthly donation thing as well as some of my awesome PayPals do and I am greatly appreciative of that and let's go catch up with Color Theory Alright, and we're here right now, or I'm here right now, with Color Theory, a.k.a. Mr. Brian Hazard. How's it going, man? It is going great. Thank you for having me back on. So, when was the last time you were on? I feel like it's been like three years or something. I think that's probably right. Well, let's see. So, you just, uh, before we went on, sang one of my songs from my 2019 album. So, I think it was... I think it was after that. I think it was before that. Really? Because I don't think we talked about Lucky Ago. Okay, well, yeah, maybe not. Because I always wanted to confront you about the song structures in this album, and I feel like <laughs> I haven't done it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just Google this since we're on 155 was the main one, and that was July of 2018. Remember, there was the first time you were on, but then the following times... We did a thing where we were going to do like a segment, which I think we did maybe two or three times. Yeah, three times we did a marketing segment, right? Yeah, I always like trying out wacky things and then... It was fun, yeah. And then I think you might have come on one other time for like a catch-up. That sounds familiar, yeah. Maybe if it was 2019, maybe it was still in the singles phase of Lucky Ago. That sounds about right. Yeah, because that's when I finally started catching on to the uh, what all the hip youngsters are doing these days, releasing a song a month on Spotify. Yeah. Was it, is this another thing you've learned for your marketing segment? Let's resurrect the marketing segment. Yeah. <laughs> I do I do like six weeks now. Once a month is just your... Like, I mean, you know, you get the emails, right? Mm. I got a new single, check it out. And you feel like you're sending those you know, every couple of weeks and people are just going to get so sick of you. So yeah, there are some people who send me with a lot higher frequency. So oh, good. If, if you ever feel guilty or whatever, like don't, cause I get to, <laughs> I get some people <laughs> oh, who send me a, a lot of stuff and especially when it's bad music. <laughs> and then I end up listening to the person's album like several times Wow. because I'm like, I, I downloaded the single, listened to it, didn't like it. Then I'm sent like an EP that's got that same single on it again. And I end up listening to the same song and I kind of forget. Yeah. I wish I had like a memory where I could like, tag mp3s like in perpetuity so like even if it's not the one i downloaded my computer still knows like you played this song already and you didn't like it (laughs) actually couldn't you use um i mean itunes is old school but 
If you had your MP3s in there, you could give it the star rating. Yeah, I do that. Like, I actually do. That's how I organize my music. The problem is there's so much now. Oh, yeah. That I actually don't bother with playlists anymore. I delete the files. Like, I have to have them (laughs) gone. There are some days where I'm, like, looking for inspiration or music to play, and I'll just play my playlist because there's probably whole full albums in here that I've never even heard. Wow. That are like on my computer And so I'll set it to random I'm like oh I'll listen to my instrumentals playlist Or my vocal synthwave playlist or whatever And then every time a song comes up that I don't like I fucking delete it (laughs) Just because I know if I don't do it It's gonna come up again And my computer has like psychic powers And once it hones in on an artist I don't like It like (laughs) It will just keep playing me There's been times where I was like yelling at iTunes Or iMusic It's called now I'm like doing dishes so my hands are wet and covered in suds. I hit random on like a playlist that has like a thousand songs and it just keeps on playing the same artist. I'm like, did he fucking pay off my iMusic? Like, why does it keep playing this guy? Like, there's artists here that that the program is completely ignoring and then somehow they keep playing this guy and it's just like, fuck me. So if I'm understanding this from a marketing perspective here as a musician, if Mm -hmm. I were trying to get my music on your show, I would send you a file. Yes. And then if nothing happens, in three months just send it to you again mm-hmm. knowing that you've already deleted it and that you probably won't remember it in the first place and maybe you'll like it this time yeah there is one secret that is <laughs> i'll feel guilty admitting this out loud <laughs> but you have a very good chance or a much better chance of me hearing your music if your name starts with an a b or c <laughs> because <Ooh>. because <laughs> I always resort to going to because I sort (laughs) my albums by artist name. Like I sort the playlist by artist name. Wow. And so I do end up, sometimes I'll notice uh, where I actually have to stop myself and go scroll to the bottom. Like, because I'll just play what's at the top of the list. And then as I add more files and I forget what I've listened to, and I make little notes here and there. I got groups on my iMusic where I'm like, to play, music to play, or music to listen to again. Sometimes I listen to a song and I go, I think I like this, but I just want to make sure and give it another yeah, listen and right. and uh, anyway whatever it's <laughs> we're catching up with you not me <laughs> oh it's all good so the secret to my success then is is having a c name yeah otherwise yeah, yeah. you're my favorite c word <laughs> there we go but you know because i listened to your music back in the day when yeah i thought i was listening to some weird depeche mode b-side called ponytail girl that i had never heard and i was listening very closely going i mean this Sounds kind of like Martin Gore, but there's something about this that doesn't sit quite right. And I liked it. So I knew, like, okay. And then we ended up meeting and everything was fine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it all worked out in the end. So, listen. What's up with the song structures and the fucking Lucky You Go album? <laughs> you know, that, that album was really fun to do because... So, okay, as you know, I've been on Patreon five years. And I've had to produce a song every month a new original or collaboration most most of the time they're originals so what happens is i get in this cycle where i'm always really pressured to deliver something and it prevents me from kind of taking on bigger projects and so lucky ago was cool because i had a concept from the beginning and i wrote pretty much all the songs in parallel so the concept is that each song is based around a different superstition i had a big list of superstitions i would just i went to the library because apparently i can work better at the library i don't know and sat down and wrote, you old man i know it's so <laughs> quiet and serene but uh sounds nice yeah i wrote like a page of text for each each of those mm. that would go on to form the lyrics. And it was a really cool process to work that way. And then 
it went really fast. I think I finished the whole thing in maybe five months, which is really good for me. Yeah. So what I'm alluding to is you had this thing you did on this album. Like I've always liked your music. And what I like about you is you are a genuinely, I feel like, artistic and creative person and you you surprise me with your chord structures and things, you know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. you don't always do what I'm expecting, but you do things that I like the sound of. Cool. And so that's what I've always appreciated about you, just because there's a lot of people, obviously the, the synthwave scene where there can be a lot of stuff that's sort of derivative and what I find is when I listen to your stuff, I'm like, Oh no, like this guy actually has like creative vision and ideas and you do interesting things with your songs and oftentimes you will do these hooks which i mean you know i i, I will refer to as weird you know i'll sometimes yes. be like oh there's there he goes again he's makes some weird choice but then it ends up being this thing that sticks in my head oh good <laughs> with this particular album though you did a thing that <laughs> i can't tell if i found it slightly frustrating but you you had this way and most of the songs in this album are structured this way, mm-hmm. where you tease the chorus. Yes. So you have a chorus start and then abruptly cancel it. <laughs> and it seemed to be like this whole album, that was like the game you were playing with the song. Where like Because I always like your choruses, and they always have these nice melodies and stuff. And then all of a sudden, the chorus would start, and they'd be like, and it would just stop, and then you would go back to the verse again. I know exactly what you're me Let me rephrase that in a more favorable way. No. So... So what would happen is I'd have the verse and then I'd have this chorus, which was just perfect as it is. And then I'd have another verse and maybe the second time around, I would extend that chorus just when you thought it couldn't even be better. Now it is. And so, yes, I would kind of double up the chorus. Yeah, I kind of like that idea of having small bits and then expanding on them. And it, it wasn't, I don't think it's just the chorus. I think it was kind of verses too. I would kind of tag something on. And keep in mind, this was meant to be an album taken in, you know, as an entire album. So yeah. even though I had to, of course, release singles. So I guess that gave me a license to do stuff like that. But that's good to know that that didn't really work so much for you. I don't know why it is. Whenever I talk to you, (laughs) you're like one of the very few artists who I will like, if something hits me in a weird way, I let you know. I appreciate that. And I don't know why I do that because there's so many other people who I just let things slide. But what I I think (laughs) the reason is, is because I find your creativity and your way of working sort of inspiring. So like, I like that you try things. And I think that's like the main important thing that I think I find, um, you know, maybe maybe lacking in in a lot of artists like in this scene. It's like sometimes I I feel like there isn't a lot of that experimentation. And so I think I appreciate it so much that you do it. And so sometimes things like, but then I don't know why I tell you. I don't know. Why. <laughs> no, like, I, I appreciate that. And and because the choruses were so good. The point was the I liked yeah. the choruses, and it was almost like not to use like a sex metaphor, but it's almost like Uh-oh. you're sitting there on the verge of like climaxing, and then all of a sudden like your parents walk in or something. You know what I mean? And it's Ooh. like you're there, and, you and you're like, it, and you do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I would always be like, oh, this is building up to a cool thing. And then it would and then it would be like, like it would drop and then the verse would start again. But then it would eventually like the song would then build to a cool thing. But then when I like a chorus, I like to hear it multiple times throughout the song. Right, right, right. And so when I when I hear the final loop of the chorus, I'm like, yeah, now do it again. But then the song would be over. Yeah, I do it like two and a half times. (laughs) (laughs) But look, how about this? Well, let's listen to a song and then we'll keep talking. So this was uh, one of my favorite tracks from the Lucky Ago album. It's called Dismember. 
remembered, and it's by color theory.
That was Color Theory with the track Dismembered from Lucky Ago back in 2019. And I'm here catching up with Color Theory. It's been a long time. Yes. We'll, we'll try and cover all new ground by only talking about what has happened in the last three years. <laughs> So I have been inside doing nothing. How about you? I've been more productive than ever. It's been great. I have an excuse not to do or had. I mean, now it's pretty much over, right? But had an excuse not to go out and do other stuff. So it was great. Did you contract COVID-19? I did not. And I have no idea why. The the gym... The gym has been like no mask for, I don't know, eight, nine months. And I mean, you're breathing really heavy. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I, I should have caught it, especially Omicron. Like Omicron. the word was like, the, yeah, the masks don't work. You're going to get it for sure. So I even felt like, okay, masks don't work. Why, you know, unless you're going to wear a N95, like don't even bother. And, uh, and I didn't, and nobody in my family caught it. So I don't get it. Look at you, you, eh? I, I, I yeah. haven't either, but I also don't well, go to the gym. and Go to the gym. It's good for you. Uh, yeah, I'm not really a gym guy. The thing is, once you reach a certain age, not that I'm at that age, but mm. you really... Says the guy going to the library. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I accidentally left my spectacles, so yeah, I needed yeah. to, to go back. The bone density, you kind of got to worry about... Just as you get older, like you just are going to lose muscle. You're going to lose bone oh, density unless you're, <laughs> yeah. I, if I lose what little I have, Your it's going to be a density. sad state of affairs. Yeah. But you know, I'm a, I'm a runner and that's, that's kind of another thing is that I just am tired of getting injured maybe once a year, once every year and a half being out for three months. And so doing the gym and actually strengthening stuff and doing squats and deadlifts and things that really, I don't know, that makes me a lot more resilient. So that was kind of the main thing. But now my daughter goes with me. She gets up at 6 a.m. and we go before school. She's stuck with it. I think it's been a year now. You're insane. 6 a.m. I didn't even ask. Well, that's when I get up anyway, but I didn't ask her to <laughs> to do it. But she's stuck with it all on her own. So it's pretty cool. Well, it's fun to have activities to do with your kids. Yeah. I like I don't really do too much. Uh, my son is just mostly playing Fortnite all day. And I got the new Lego Star Wars game. I'm like, let's play that. But he's like too busy playing with his online friends to play games with his old man. Oh, I remember those days. And my daughter is five. So she wants to play Lego Star Wars with me. And she does. But it's like slightly too advanced for her but she's really yeah. enjoying kirby i got kirby on the switch and she likes that oh cool i like kirby too yeah it's the right amount of difficulty it's like you know it's basically like playing like a mario game except yeah it's 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 the right amount for her because she's five like so but she's she's still good enough to play like she can play all those games but star wars requires a bit of they're, they're still kid games but like some of the puzzles and stuff are not quite for five-year-olds yeah is, is the lego star wars i thought i played that with my son mm-hmm. too so there must be more than one or else I'm Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a new game. So they, it basically they're they're retelling the movie stories again. Okay. But it's not an HD remaster. It's like a new game. Okay. So like the levels are all different. Like uh they're picking slightly different parts or like different perspectives on the same scene. So it's like it feels like a completely different game because I loved Lego Star Wars when it came out, and yeah, me too. Yeah, this one and it looks great. I have a PS5, so like the graphics are very nice and uh, way, way to flex. Got a PS5. Yeah, man. Well, <laughs> guess what? I got I got two. Two what? PS5s. Do you? <laughs> yeah. My, well, my son has one, and I have one. Yeah. 
we we got super lucky. Like just the they sent out that email to PS Plus owners, and my son signed up, and then my brother in law got the invitation, and he didn't want it, so he got it for me, and so we both had him on like opening well launch day whatever nice so it's pretty crazy yeah i can't believe you still can't get them yeah i ended up buying uh from people like what do you call those people who sell things that are new thieves yeah Yeah. um I was lucky though. I didn't pay a huge markup. Okay. So good. it was a it was a crazy day because I got both consoles the same afternoon. The Switch and the PS5. The mm. Xbox and the PS5. Oh, okay, gotcha. It, it honestly only cost me. This is the way I rationalize it in my head: is <laughs> I would have spent the next year on those stupid sites every day on Best Buy updating fucking stock yeah. availability and stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? I paid eighty bucks more for the Xbox than I would have if it was, and it was brand new. The guy gave me a brand new Xbox, like it hadn't been opened. And then I bought a PS5 from a guy who owned the PS5 for a month, and you know there, there wasn't any new games that he wanted to play, yeah. so he just sold it. <laughs> and I only paid a bit more for that one. Oh, that's totally worth it. Yeah, like. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't pay fifteen hundred bucks for each system. Put it that way. Like I would have never have done that. But yeah, so I was happy I did. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying them. Well, I mean, it sounds like you, you're still kind of playing retro games. Like I don't, I don't know about you. I, I've been playing um, Elden Ring. Mm. It's kind of the main thing. Never playing, heard of it. Yeah, what's that? It's on. It's on. I don't know about uh, up in uh, Toronto, but out here <laughs> there are bus ads. Like you see Elden Ring on the side of buses. It's it's nuts. It's so mainstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I will play it eventually. I've got like a game of Cyberpunk going. I, I'm replaying Spider Man just because I wanted to see the graphical upgrades and uh, now Lego game. So like Elden Ring is a game I will play because like obviously every single person who plays that game is just like you got to play Elden Ring, man. I'm like, all right, I'll fucking play. I'll play. I will. Like just, I'm in like several like chat groups on Facebook and all everyone's talking about is Elden Ring and I'm like all right. Yeah. <laughs> but did you did you I mean if you didn't play Dark Souls and Bloodborne then don't feel too obligated. I mean I really like open world games though. Okay. So I feel like this is my time to enter into this whole fucking Dark Souls universe. Yeah. Yeah, cuz it's like Breath of the Wild in kind of the scope, but it's way bigger than Breath of the Wild. Yes. Yeah. No, I I I know I will play it and like it although those games have intimidated me in the past because i'm not big into <laughs> hard games yeah. but i feel like the open world aspect might alleviate some of that pressure I, well i gotta tell you what will alleviate the pressure for sure so there's there's two things one is that there's summons you can like summon spirits so let's say you kill some badass boss like a lot of the times you'll get that boss's spirit and then you can upgrade the spirit so you could have you know ancestral forest spirit plus eight and then when you're in a boss battle or whatever you can summon him back and he fights alongside you so that's one thing ah you know i don't know about you like in in fantasy games like this like i'm always like the mage kind of character and so i get a tank basically to summon and then i go around and just ping with magic and kite and all that so right. you can do that and then if you really get stuck you know you can always just call in one or two other actual human beings to come into your world and kick their ass for you while you watch yeah <laughs> That's what I like. I like to watch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Unless, as long as your parents don't walk in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
it's interesting because I, I always like the look of a mage character, but I usually end up playing as a soul, like a warrior. Mm. Whenever I play Mass Effect, I, I like to shoot guns. Yeah. I'm not a gun guy or like an army guy or a soldier guy in terms of my interests. Like I, I like scientist characters and I like <laughs> magicians and wizards and stuff. But when it comes to actually playing games, I like to be very in control of the action. Yeah. And so I tend to prefer the characters that deliver fast and quick, like, attack stuff. Like, I like to press X and then a fucking thing happens where, like, my fist is punching or my gun is shooting. You know, like, that's the kind of gameplay I want, even though I don't, like, spiritually <laughs> associate myself with those types of characters. But in video game form, I do. Right. Well, I, I will tell you in Elden Ring also, you can still get up close and personal and play as a sorcerer, I guess would be the proper term. There's sorceries and incantations are like the faith style, you know, magic. But what you, you do is you can take any weapon you want and you can scale it to intelligence or scale it to faith. And then so whatever. See, that play style is still available to you <laughs> should you want to do that. I love nerdy vi video game conversations. <laughs> yes. Scale it to faith, baby. You can always delete it, yeah. I want to listen to the track Feral. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> I've, I'm done trying to do segues. I think this is like a new yeah. phase of the show where I just, oh, good. just stop people from talking and just say, like, we're listening to a song now and it's this. Um, cool. This is the other track I dug from uh, Lucky Ago. This is Feral by Color Theory.
path Hissing at rats Here in the catbird seat And that was Color Theory with the track Feral from Lucky Ago back in 2019. Yep. A lot has happened since then. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is where I jump in and say all the things in yeah. chronological order that have happened since 2019. <laughs> let, me, let me get my notes. <laughs> Do you think you're going to be focusing on Elden Ring for the foreseeable future? Is this a game you're going to sink the next year into? For gaming, yes. I literally play like an hour a night if I'm lucky. Mm-hmm. And then I watch, again, if I'm lucky, an anime with my daughter and then go to bed. So like we mentioned, I'm up at six. So yeah, so I could easily spend a year. The, the other thing is that with Elden Ring, there are... Maybe secrets is the the wrong word, but there's just so much out there that is not intuitive and I am not looking on the internet for stuff and I'm not watching YouTube. So I will play it once pure and miss like three quarters of the stuff and then I'll go back and do it again after I watched like, I don't know if you know, Vadi Vidya is like the most popular souls type YouTuber. Like I'll watch some of his stuff, explains all the lore and the stories and all these characters, different side quests. And mm. so I'll do that and then go back and see all the stuff I missed. So it could legit be a year. And with Dark Souls 2, I actually took probably a full year just doing PvP. So I'd already done all the game stuff, but I made friends on PS Plus or whatever, where we'd meet up and we would go invade people's worlds together and go beat them up. It sounds terrible, but it's, <laughs> it, was, it was really fun. I mean, seriously, fun enough to do for like a whole year. So if the PvP gets interesting, then that is not off the table either. Well, this is we all need our uh, our ways to vent. You know, mild mannered Brian Hazard who sits around making synth pop music and tunes, and then he's got to go online and raid other people's worlds. That's right, with friends and smash their shit up. It is really. I mean, I don't know if you ever play the PvP. You can disguise yourself as like a vase and like. <laughs> <laughs> and like follow behind the people like an old pink panther movie right where you just, you're behind them you're drifting and then they turn around and you stop nice <laughs> they turn back right you know it's just too fun it's too fun i remember there was this awesome episode of real ghostbusters the cartoon called oh what the hell was it called it was like this ghost and he copied things i have not seen that oh it was awesome he, he like turned into a lamp he's doing exactly what you just explained what the fuck was it called it's such a simple title. It's literally like, it's probably called Copycat, I bet you. Like, that was probably the name of it. Oh, I see the name of the apparition or the t- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like the, the episode was probably, I, I bet you anything, the episode was called Copycat because that was the whole point of the ghost. You know, like, they'd turn around and then all of a sudden there'd be like an evil Peter and he'd have like this crazy ass grin on his face because he was like the, the fake ghost version. Dop- doppelganger? That's not what we're... The no, because the ghost could turn okay. into anything. Oh, okay. So like he'd turn okay. into a lamp and then I think he turned into Ecto-1 and then like he... Mimic. He, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like okay. he was like flying around copying things and then, uh, I, whatever. Look, nice. Ghostbusters was a cool cartoon. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it was. I haven't seen it because I seriously only watch Japanese cartoons. Every show that's on Netflix or whatever or that people are keeping up with, I have not seen because I can't even keep up with the current anime season. And that's a whole thing. And, you know, what's I up read with, all, with anime titles? They're getting longer. 
<laughs> I don't know if that's what you mean. Well, there's so many shows where like sometimes I just don't know what the fuck it is. Like I remember maybe I actually talked to you about this. I remember like just flipping through one of my streaming services that has like anime and there would just be there was this one called Fruits Basket. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We just finished watching the remake of Fruits Basket. What why is it called Fruits Basket? I don't know. It just sounds so natural to me because I've known it for so many years. Fruits Basket. It drives me nuts. Not Fruit like, Basket. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like, why is it fucking Fruits Basket? What this is it about? This is really sad. Uh, it's not about what you think. It is about a young middle school girl. Is her name Basket? No, but she meets the Soma family. They are a family of the Zodiac. Each of the family members when hugged by a member of the opposite sex turns into the animal of the Zodiac that they're assigned to. So the main kind of love interest turns into the rat and then there's the cat and you get to know all the characters over the course of it. It's like the Soma family curse. I mean, this the remake is probably 50 plus episodes. It is long. So they can never love? Uh, they can. In fact, the cat, the girl that crushes on him, it's not reciprocated, is also a Zodiac member. So they can get it on with other Zodiac members and there are no repercussions. But yes, that, that would get in the way of a regular right. dating relationship. And it gets awkward at school, right? Because people touch you by accident or on purpose and that needs to be avoided at all cost and if you don't think too hard about what it would actually be like they do <laughs> they do a good job so, of that but yeah fruits basket yes fruits is there someone called fruits no that i have no idea what the title has to do with anything oh it's, like it's not even a metaphor for anything okay here we go fruits basket <laughs> Thank you, Google. Gets its name from an anecdote Toru shares. Toru is the girl that I've mentioned about her childhood, about a classroom game where students give each other fruit names, then called out fruits in turn to assemble a metaphorical fruits basket. Think farmer in the Dell, but with pre-assigned fruits. I, I don't even remember that being in the thing. <laughs> so, yeah. But it, it's a good show. It's a tearjerker every episode gets you misty-eyed for some reason and I don't know. Yeah, it's you watch it with your daughter. She would enjoy it. It's pretty uh, wholesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Until the moment I have to explain what the hell a fucking fruits basket is. Yeah, she won't ask but be sure to watch the remake and not the original. Not that uh, I saw both. That's this is really sad that I saw both of those. <laughs> I, I, this is not... This would not be the recommendation I would give if you were saying, okay, name some good anime. Sure. So. Well, I watched it. We watched Old Sailor Moon. So there you go. That is really old school. That is pre-me. And I got to confess, I have not seen um, Cowboy Bebop. I still have not seen Cowboy Bebop. Oh, I've, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't watch anything. For me, I, I have like a singular focus. So like when I'm in, it's same with video games. Like games can be getting 10 out of 10 and people can be coming at me at all sides. Like you got to play this, you got to play this. And if in my mind, I'm just like, you know what? I'm really just looking forward to Wii Sports on the Switch. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Even if that game yeah. gets like a four, I'm still going to buy it because like I kind of want Wii Sports on the Switch and I'm yeah, curious yeah, to yeah. why it's taken so long. And then I'll end up, it's the same with movies and TV, right? Like people will be like, hey, there's some great movies out there. And I'm like, and then I'll, you know, I'll watch the Mortal Kombat movie <laughs> regardless of if it's fucking sandwiched between a whole bunch of better films. You know, I fucking wanted to see Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man come back and I don't care what else was going on. Like I'm just like, listen, I... 
there's only one thing I'm going to go see, and it's going to be that. I, yeah, and I've I've got the built-in excuse that people are like, oh, you got to see this show. I'm like, I only watch anime. <laughs> <laughs> I like literally say that, and the only movies I go to are like once a month. The local theater will show whatever anime thing like is like. <laughs> Seriously, like, uh, have you heard of Jujutsu Kaisen? No. It is the number two biggest movie opening, I think, ever in Japan. Number one was the Demon Slayer movie, which is also an anime. So we'll watch those. Just my daughter and I, like, we have Japanese food beforehand because, you know. And then Somi Somi, which is um, ice cream that they serve you in this, like, waffle fish it's japanese also that sounds weird it's like a it's like a it's a veritable fruits basket yes it is a basket that they put like you can get custard in it first and then they stuff it with ice cream and then you can put like captain crunch on top and a um a macaron which is suddenly doesn't sound very japanese to Mm. me but it's very good it's very good so anyway that's once a month that is my movie going experience and then i've seen some marvel movies and that's about it. Well, look, here's what I've seen. <laughs> this is a segue, I can tell. <laughs> I'm debating what to play next here because I really liked Mage's album and I've got a bunch of picks from that. Oh, good. And then the reason why I emailed you in the first place was because I listened to Skeleton's Closet and I, I really liked it. And then you did this thing with Matt Mansid. Yeah. You did that sort of peripheral, it was called, which was like kind of yeah. cover album. Mm-hmm. And there was good things on there too. Gosh, it has been a while. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? What? I don't like to play covers, but I'm going to play one. Okay. Well, that contradicted yourself rather quickly. Well, whatever. Hey, man, I make the goddamn rules over here. (laughs) Listen, when people ask me, who's the fucking king of the fruits basket of Beyond Synth? And I say, it's me, damn it. I'm the king. I'm the fruits basket. (laughs) I want to listen to uh, your guys' cover of Mercy Street, Mm -hmm. although my favorite version was Mercy Street Alternate. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. That's the one I like. Is that a surprise? This is a deep cut, as they say in the business. Well, the bottom line is, I want people to know that when they send me music, I actually listen to it. That's awesome. Yeah, because that is a 36-track bonus edition you're pulling that from so that is a serious dedication yeah yeah because i listened to all the versions and uh and this was the one that uh i don't, I don't know why whatever anyway look let's listen to it this is mercy street the alternate version which is a it's a cool cover by uh color theory and matt mansid
And that was Mercy Street, alternate version, which is a, a cool cover by uh, Color Theory and Matt Manson. And I'm here right now with Color Theory. Explain your relationship with Matt Manson, because you were you seem to be putting out some things, and he was remixing tracks and stuff, and I, yeah. I don't think I know that dude. So what's that about? Explain my rela- I suddenly feel very defensive. Mm. Um, <laughs> explain myself. No, tell, it, tell me about this fucking guy. I don't know how long I've known... Matt for I remember a long time ago he was working with or remixing another friend of mine Marcus who is in a band called Rename that now is releasing music under the name Mind Module but it's spelled funny like with a V instead anyway mm. <laughs> so I, I've known him for for many many years and he started volunteering to remix stuff like he remixed from the thought chapter he remixed uh what you said and that remix has done really well like i'm on this service where they play songs on retail you know like you go to the mall and there's this weird playlist of music that's kind of cool but you don't know what it is sure so that's uh the what you said matt manson remix for example and he's remixed tons of stuff since then and i don't remember when we got the idea to do a full covers album but he's totally laid back just a really talented producer and he just kind of let me take over the marketing and all the stuff too he's like totally chill like he's just a really fun guy to work with and we're hoping to do an original track this year at least he agreed to do it so a more kind of straight up collab rather than a cover or a remix but if you look over the color theory discography i think he's probably remixed maybe eight ten tracks something like that and they're among the best of my remixes for sure he comes from a trance background like i used to always refer to him as trance producer matt manson right i don't know if that's really true anymore but he definitely kind of has that those kind of chops and those early remixes they are very trance like they have the huge breakdown section in the middle that's instrumental and it'll be like a eight minute mix Mm -hmm. anyway he's kind of broken those habits lately with some of the stuff like on skeleton's closet he's got two remixes that are a little more straightforward but i don't even know my electronic category so i don't know what's 
trance and what's techno and what's melodic house and what's et, you know <laughs> I, I just I honestly don't even know but. should call him uh, Matt Transid oh boy I bet he would yeah I don't know if that trans if that translates to the German hmm. he's German did I mention he's German so hmm. I wonder yeah. how you say fruits basket in Germany I could find that out for you <laughs> but I couldn't pronounce it <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah I know basket and fruits and yeah <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I don't care <laughs> no it doesn't really matter well actually I actually want to know what I don't care about is whether my audience likes what I just did but I actually do want to know how to say fruits basket in Germany <laughs> okay well here fruits basket make the google in, say it in German German fruits basket okay so what I have now are clips of the actual show overdubbed in German mm. so that's not going to help is it <laughs> Fruit basket translation in German. Here we go. God, play, play, play. Did you hear that, or is it just coming over my headphones? I it's, think it was just in your headphones. <laughs> okay, well then I'm I'm going to do it justice right now. Fruit to carb. <laughs> well, let's see how Matt Manson feels about this. Yeah, I'm not going to tell him. <laughs> Lucky for you, no one listens to this show. Yay. You, oh, yeah, you're probably going to tag him or something, and then we'll find out. <laughs> I would never do such a thing. Oh, good. Okay, so then you, you guys did this giant thing. How do yeah. collabs work then when you're working with another, like, electronic producer? Yeah. Are you both working on the track, or are you mostly focused on the vocals, and he's doing oh. the... I mean, like, what are you guys doing? For the most part, like, I kind of came up with the the selections. The one exception is there's a song called Fury, or a song by a band called Fury in the Slaughterhouse that I guess was big in Germany. But the other ones were all just songs that I had loved since I was little. And um, I did the demos and sang everything and then gave him the finished vocals with the demos and he did everything else. Well, and then I mastered it. But yeah, he did the arrangement from the ground up. So essentially, he was just, he was a remixer, right? He took my completed demo and remixed it. And then I actually have the demos on that deluxe edition for a lot of the tracks. Yeah, there's a lot of tracks on that album. There really are. 36 on the uh, on the deluxe. But I didn't put that on Spotify because for most of these distributors, you have to pay a lot of them. Like with DistroKid, you pay a dollar a month per cover. So it would literally be $36 a month for me just to keep the album up on streaming services. Interesting. I didn't know that's how it worked. And another distributor I use called Lander, you pay, I think it's $15 one time, and then you don't have to pay a monthly fee, but it's not available in Brazil and like three other countries, but I I actually do care about Brazil. So yeah, the licensing thing is strange and I just, I don't really feel like doing covers anymore because it's just kind of a hassle. So we paid, I think I paid like 1800 bucks or something like that just in rights and we didn't even do a physical release so it's yeah it gets real expensive that is interesting why don't you just just make sound alike things with the like knockoff lyrics so just do fucking you know like mercy mercy lane (laughs) (laughs) yeah the problem is then you yeah it's it's, the same syllables the song doesn't have to make sense you can change the name with the word mercy as well to something else what's another two syllable fucking let me just look up what it is in german yeah 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 Yeah, that is a technique that I have heard used on some of those in-store 
radio services that we talked about where you're like, I think that's supposed to be this song, but that is not this song. I, I keep forgetting there's a whole industry of that, like those shitty fucking asylum movies where they do knockoffs of like a big budget <laughs> Hollywood movies and then they just do their own version of fucking Transformatrons. Right. And it's just fucking garbage and there's a whole... You know, there's people who just make songs that just kind of sound like songs, you know? <laughs> there's quite a market for that. And I got to admit, I mean, I am party to that in the, like, I don't know if you remember, I did three songs for Ubisoft, the Just Dance series where I did um, Owl City Fireflies. And so essentially that was a cover, but same idea, like they don't want to pay the money to license the original. So they just had me basically copy it and sound pretty darn close to the original you should have just written a song called lightning bugs yes i i should have but then it wouldn't uh sell as well because they actually you know are <laughs> putting it on the back of the box oh okay yeah yeah, as, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. that's what i would have done that sound and lightning bugs <laughs> then they need a hug st- whatever <laughs> I, I haven't listened oh, to that please. song in a while <laughs> please keep going that was very good <laughs> I like the idea, though. (laughs) 10 million lightning bugs and they need a hug. (laughs) (laughs) Something, something. Um, Look, let's move ahead to Mages. Yes. The year 2021. This was a cool album. And I'm trying to think of which one to fucking play because I liked a lot of these. How about this? Let's play the titular Mages track because it's a cool song. And uh, and I, I dig it. So this is Mages by Color Theory. Tragic, tragic 
Theory with the track Mages, and I am here right now with Color Theory, Mr. Brian Hazard. Who, um, god damn it, sometimes I just hope to Christ that like I will come up with a clever segue. I was waiting for it, yeah. Well, I can still try, sure. Why don't you go again? Uh, see, see, with Brian Hazard, and it's no. Uh, oh, are you going to do a pun? With yeah, my name yeah, I'm trying something? to do a pun yeah. with Hazard, but I can't. Uh, yeah. And I hazard to guess that he's been to me making cool music for a long time to come. Ooh, that's optimistic and clever, um, <laughs> or, or neither. Um, so, what was the what was the premise of this album? The dark arts, magic. Yes. Well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I felt like the 80s, like, okay, so at this point I was getting kind of, I don't want to say sick of synthwave because that's not really fair, but you know that I also, I curate. How dare you, sir? I know. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> synthwave forever. Mm, hashtag synthfam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you actually use that, right? <laughs> uh, I don't. I, but, uh... I use the hashtag. I've used it sometimes, I confess, but no, but. The 80s, I felt like an aspect of the 80s that hadn't been mined, at least musically, was the whole Dungeons and Dragons angle, which was a big part of my being a kid. Now, I didn't really play Dungeons and Dragons like straight up because I was too socially awkward, I guess. Hmm. Wait, too socially awkward for Dungeons and Dragons? Yes, that didn't make sense. Hmm. To be a dungeon master, I would say that. I did not have the verbal acuity or the time or willingness to make the effort. And look at you now as an adult using the word acuity. What happened? I know. But I did play a lot of RPGs and MMORPGs and specifically I was thinking uh, for the song Mages, which is the titular track yeah high five <laughs> <You're right. laughs> 
I was thinking of my time playing EverQuest. I don't know if you remember EverQuest. That was a precursor to World of Warcraft. I never played it, but it's a thing I'm Good. aware of. Well, what happened was uh, my wife and I were married and she decided to get a master's degree and she was very, very busy for most of the day and I was not and I found a hobby and that was being online with total strangers for upwards of 8 to 12 hours a day staying up sometimes until 7 a.m. because you don't want to be the one person that calls it off and then you don't have a group anymore that can take out high level mobs or if there's a raid scheduled <laughs> this is not dorky at all this mm. is this is very cool you know I was in a guild of course and and there would be raids that were scheduled and of course I was a mage and I was a female mage and I was hot and I seriously <laughs> <laughs> I seriously got marriage proposals i am not joking marriage proposals i love nerds because i guess my personality is just so stellar that regardless of my gender mm. it, it would be quaint to think that uh, the people were very progressive at the time and not just yes. some thirsty nerds no well actually there are some females in my guild that another guildmate. so there was a couple that were married and they both played and when the husband went out of town for a business trip Another guy in the guild flew to Ohio and had sex with her and started an affair and it led to, I don't know if it was the total destruction of the guild, but there were factions. It was, it was <laughs> ugly. And, and a lot of people spend more time on the guild like forum, more time on that than the actual game. So, so what I'm getting at is it, it was a thing and it was, it was actually a big part of my life for quite a while. And the other cool thing is being an attractive female, you would be deferred to a lot of times. Like if there would be a loot drop and I needed it, mm -hmm. need in, in air quotes, you know, it'd be like, oh, give it to Delaria. Delaria was my name. Mm. And it's such a pretty name. It, it was, it was lovely. And I, I made it up. <laughs> I, I mean, myself, like I don't know any Delarias, right? It sounds. <laughs> But it sounds no pretty. No one does. And she looked a lot like... <laughs> Me with lipstick. Well, or or the uh, the female on the album cover. Ah. Uh. She looked like that, which I did not draw, of course. But yeah, but one, one time I was up till 7 a.m. And it was a raid and there was a robe that was the highest robe in the game for a mage. And I had wanted this thing for months. I had literally... This is so sad. I literally had dreams of what it would be like to be walking around in the game wearing this robe and every <laughs> and everybody knows right everybody knows like that robe it means you are amazing and like there's like two on the whole server mm. and we, it finally dropped after seriously months of waiting for it to drop and what happens is if you've got a raid let's say there's three mages who need the robe you type slash random 100 and the game generates a random number from one to a hundred and the highest number gets the item. And so it was finally my chance. I mean, I'm sweating bullets, like random 100. I rolled an 18 and I did not get the item, of course. And that's when I quit. And that was it. Cold turkey. I was done. And uh, <laughs> and then I, I went on to become a musician. And here we are. Oh, I thought the story was going to end with some guy saying he'd give you the robe if you slept with him because he thought you were a lady. I didn't try that. 
Yeah, but no, I really did get proposals and there were in-game weddings. People actually got married in the game and presumably didn't never knew each other in real life. So it's an interesting dynamic, I would say. I always find it interesting the, the different player choices that people make. Because for me, if I'm given the tools, I will always try to make me. Hmm. The only game I was ever able to do it properly was Godfather 2. No. <laughs> Yeah, because Godfather 2, I'm not Italian, but they had this sort of character creator that like sort of you could only make sort of Italian looking guys. Huh. But it had enough settings that I was able to make. That's the one game where I was able to make a guy. I'm like, this actually looks like me. Like it was it was pretty uncanny. And that's it. And in every other game, if you, you know, God help you, if you try and make yourself in <laughs> Fallout or Elder Scrolls or any of these games, you're going to you're going to create a very uh, frightening sort of thing. Yeah, that's that's a interesting philosophy my philosophy is what do i want to look at for potentially 100 hours and that's mm. for mass effect too we talked you know you mentioned mass effect i was femship the whole way it's interesting because i know a lot of people they like oh like they like playing as female characters and like i always gravitate towards playing characters that kind of look like me i always try to make me but it never works so like my shepherd w- looked like a weird sort of mutant version of like James Franco. Like by the time I was done, I'm just like, this doesn't look like, like I tried to make me, but at the end of the day, it looked like sort of an Asian James Franco with weird cheekbones. Nice. Uh, and I'm like, oh, whatever. I stuck it out. I'm like, okay, this is me in Mass Effect. Like, whatever. I applaud your creativity. I mean, I, I went with the stock. I thought, oh, Femshep, she looks pretty good. Like, I'm just going to go with the stock one, right? Because then if, if things get weird and uncanny, like I can't blame it on my creation choices, right? This is the the intended look of the game was my kind of attitude. I have so. been informed that FemShep apparently delivers a better performance than Male Shepherd. I think that seems to be the consensus. Too. Yeah. But I'll never know because I always play as Male Shepherd. Well, uh, maybe it's more immersive, especially with the romance aspects. Maybe it, well, it's easier. See, this is to, another thing. Yeah. I don't do romance in games. What? I'm like a little boy. <laughs> Like, I'm a little boy who just wants to play with the toys and the guns, and, like, I only realize it now. I played through all of Mass Effect, the remaster, Mm -hmm. and it was only at the end of the game that I realized, like, I literally never did any of the romance things. I don't care. It's like, I want to save the universe. I want to, you know, have the adventures, and then... I finally just said, ah, fuck it. I'll just uh, have a relationship with Liara because oh. she's the one who's just basically begging you the whole time. Like, no, I thought Miranda, you could you sleep with Miranda while you're, come on. No, because Liara, like, is just, that's the easiest one. Okay. Because everybody else, you gotta, like, say something clever, but Liara just <laughs> is game. Like, the second you decide to press X with her, like, you just do it. Nice. Whereas, like, everybody else, you gotta, like, you know, say the right things, and who wants to do that? Well, so, so be honest, though. Haven't you gone to YouTube to watch the other scenes i mean no <laughs> oh really okay i wanted to see all of them and actually with femshep i believe you can have the relationship with liara also but it's not as titillating Ooh. as one yes <laughs> we're how many tit words can we fit into one segment i mean you're you talking to the titular. guy I, this, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> It's one of my favorite things to say. And uh, one of my favorite things to listen to is cool music. Wow. So I don't know which one to pick next because these two I like equally, but for different reasons. I can pick from the two if you want. But Okay, I'll tell you what. I like the next thing and I like the outset. And I'll tell you why. I like the next thing because it's a fun, fast-paced pop song. And I like that wolf howl like <laughs> thing in the percussion. Whatever. I love that sound. Right. <laughs> you nailed it. That I mean, that was actually the correct pitch and i love 
at the outset. The vocoder thing going on there, yeah. I think the next thing is more of a grabber, but I think the outset is, you know, if you're going to get to know the album, that's going to be the one that you're going to appreciate the most in the long run. Yeah, I, I like I like the uh, Like I like the melody. Oh, oh, fuck it. Let's do next thing. Because <laughs> why not? This is the next thing by Color Theory.
And that was Color Theory with the track The Next Thing, a fun, mm. fast pop song from the Color Theory. Nope, I fucked that up. Hello, Brian. Hello. <laughs> I've learned a lot about your nerdy past today. Yes. Just erase all that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I always find this stuff sort of fascinating because, like, I appreciate that these things are addictive, and but just somehow I was never really sucked into the world of online gaming. And it might honestly be because I don't like challenge in games. The reason why I play Skyrim and all these other things is because it's easy. It's like it's a big yeah. open world and the tasks are relatively simple. And once your guy is leveled up, or your lady. I will say this, in Cyberpunk, I did experiment with the female creator just because like, you get to see them naked, which is hilarious. Yeah. I was like Absolutely. sitting there picking my dude's wiener because <laughs> you, you get to pick your dink in that game for some I reason. I didn't know that. Wow, my son has that game and I didn't see that part. <laughs> oh, dude, no, you pick their genitals, dude. Wow. Okay, and you just, is it like a slider and it's just for length? Or no, there's girth? just two lengths. Okay. And I was a little sort of, I, I don't know, maybe I felt a bit of shame, but like... <laughs> What they considered small, because <laughs> their two meters was just like small and big. Did, did you say two meters? Or, I'm, that's, I, that's large. <laughs> <laughs> Wordplay. Yes. But um, no, you pick their, their stuff. So like when you pick the lady, like she's you see a full on vagina and then you get to pick the pubic wow. hair. Real. And with the dudes, you get to pick between small and large, but there was no medium. <laughs> the small is, is not really that small is what you're getting at. Well, the small seem more like that seems like an average flaccid penis sure because when i if i would use the word small i guess maybe i'm picturing a micro penis uh right. i'm always picturing those because i'm always looking down <laughs> but like yeah you so you pick the two sizes of dinks and then you can pick foreskin or no foreskin Ooh. and then pubic hair type so there's like different pubes and like different colors colors okay wow and boobs and boob size so like if this your son was creating a character there yeah. is actually how old is your son oh he's old now he he can actually do this legally okay yeah Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, just because that game is a very, um, there's a lot of sort of crass adult stuff, like pretty much like all the posters on the walls are like women with their legs spread open, like, and it's just wow. like, buy this, you know, this juice, and it's like a lady sucking a lollipop that's clearly a fucking cipher for yeah. dink and stuff, like, it's it's full of that, like, that's like the whole, pretty much every billboard in Cyberpunk is some like gratuitous sex thing? Wow. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to think of him playing that. But I mean, <laughs> I know that he can't. You know what I mean? I'm not in a position to stop him at this point. So, and he bought it, and he's like got a. He's graduated uh, to a gaming PC now. Ooh. So he is. Yes, he's very serious, and uh, and it cost as much as our laptops. Jesus. Yes. For a Windows machine. Yeah, see, my son just plays Fortnite, so even though the computer that he has to use isn't, like, super high-tech, but, like, Fortnite plays pretty well on, I think, most things. Yeah, depending on how you set the sliders, yeah. Of course, you don't have the slider in that game to choose how big your guy's dink is, but... But Cyberpunk's okay. Like, for 30 bucks on PS5, it's yeah. definitely worth $30. Because it still is, like, a big open-world game. Yeah. Because there's no way I was going to get it before it was optimized for PS5. And then it was, and then I saw videos, and it's like, still broken, not as bad, 6 out of 10. That was kind of the consensus that I got from watching some videos on it. So. Yeah, for my personal taste, it does deliver what I want from a game. <laughs> Are we referring back to the yeah? See what I've always wanted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The whole time it's like I need to play as a guy with a small dick because I'm always trying to make me. (laughs) 
But what the fuck was I saying? The, <laughs> I don't even know. Like I, I like open world games where you know there's markers on the map, and I get to go to a place and just get into a gunfight and upgrade my guns and take people's clothes and their belongings and sell them and break them down and upgrade my shit. And that's pretty much what I'm doing. See, that sounds fun. But my understanding was it could be the kind of thing where you've invested forty hours. And then you accidentally kill some NPC and now the quest is broken and now you can never do that. I kind of thought things were broken in that sense. Uh, that I, I only had one thing like this. Some guy waddled out because he had his <laughs> dink blown off. And he says like, oh, you need to take me to the clinic. And I didn't have a car. Mm. And so I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, fine. So I run to the road and I try and steal a car. And then I finally found a vehicle. And then I turn around. I'm like, why isn't the guy getting into the car? Like, isn't he supposed to automatically get into the car so we can do this mission? And then I get out of the car and I'm looking around the area like, what, what happened? And then I just turn around just in time to see him just holding his balls. And then he just waddled through a wall. Ooh. And then he was gone. <laughs> and then the mission was done. <laughs> and that was the end. And I'm like, huh, okay. So, uh, you know, immersing myself in the reality of the world, I'm like, I guess I saw a ghost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because that's how that mission ended, was that guy walked through the wall. Yeah. But I haven't experienced any of that, you know, you're driving and all of a sudden you're flying through the air and all the NPCs are exploding around you and then the game crashes. Like, I haven't had that happen yet to me. There's plenty of that on YouTube, yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. No, it is fun to watch. I mean, ragdoll physics, all that stuff. Never gets old. Yeah. They could literally patch the shit out of Cyberpunk to the point where it's the best game ever made, and it's still always going to be seen as that broken, shitty game. Right, right, right. And the company's cool, though. Like, I mean, I never played Witcher 3. I'm waiting for the PS5 update to that, but I did play Gwent, you know, the card game from Witcher 3. I played that full time for months, like a card game. So anyway, I mean, I know the company can do good things. Are you like the only person in the world who's ever just played Gwent? I (laughs) like, you know what? There, there is an entire community around Gwent where there are, I mean, of course, Twitch streamers, but YouTube channels that have, I mean, you would not believe the, the number of views. Yeah, I get it. It's just, I'm assuming most of those people still experienced Gwent for the first time while playing Witcher 3. And I did too. I, I started Witcher 3. Oh, okay, you did I play got it. to okay, the okay. pub. Okay. No, no, that's I, I as far you as I got. you literally just fucking full on just went in on Gwent without even playing Witcher. Well, I, I played about 20 minutes of Witcher wherever you go to the first pub and then they have the tutorial about Gwent. And then I <laughs> then I looked on my iPad. I'm like, I'm going to figure out how to play this because normally I would just skip it, but it seems really important. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, well, there's an app. Let me download the app. And then it's a whole other game. And it's not even the same game that's in Witcher 3. Like, there's three rows instead of two rows. And anyway, I just, yeah, it it, it was addictive. Yeah. I don't like the word Gwent. It's, it's an ugly word, isn't it? <laughs> See, it's like just a stupid word. Yeah. Whenever they would talk about Gwent in the game, I'm just like, fuck Gwent. <laughs> it's just this dumb fucking word. Anyway. But you played the whole game. So, I mean, I no. know the game's worth playing. Oh, you didn't? No, I, I got to a point where there's this one mission. I don't know if it's necessarily a fetch quest, but it was like you'd go to one person, but before they'd help you, they would ask you to do something for them. Hmm. And it literally went down this chain of like 12 things where it's like, oh, I'll help you, but you've got to find my horse. And then you go looking for the horse and then you meet somebody who's like, oh, I saw that horse, but first I need you to deliver this to this person. And like, it just kept going. Right. (laughs) So it was fine. But I just remember after I played that mission, something else caught my eye. 
and then I never returned to The Witcher. Been there. And yeah. it happens all the time. I feel bad, though, because sometimes there are games and TV shows. Like, dude, I had never finished Daredevil, and I actually really liked it. Huh. And then about halfway through Daredevil, after what was actually a really amazing episode of the show, huh. I just didn't finish it. And the last episode I watched of Daredevil was awesome. It had this fucking kick-ass fight scene in an office building between Daredevil and Bullseye, and it was a really impactful and cool fight. And then I just never watched the rest of that show. Doesn't it leave you feeling, I don't know, incomplete, like a book that you haven't quite finished? I, I don't like that feeling. I know what you mean, but... I don't even think about it. Hmm. And the same with certain video games. Like, I can be really enjoying a game, and then all of a sudden, like... I never beat Ghost of Tsushima. What? Okay, I, I didn't get the DLC, but I did everything in that game, yeah. I'm okay. I'm on the third part of the island, oh, and I'm no. like, yeah, you know. You gotta liberate that island. I know, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah, that's an awesome game. You know what's funny? My son was giving me shit because I played the game in English. Yeah, I played it in English, too. I'm not reading fucking subtitles on playing a game. Yeah, that, that whole purist thing, I don't get it. Even with anime, like if there's one of the movies and there's a night where it's a dub and a night where it's a sub, I'll go to the dub. I'm not I'm not too proud to not have to read the whole thing, right? I mean, not that I watch that much anime, but I, I have like some controversial takes because uh, when it comes to Sailor Moon, <laughs> I actually prefer the original like Canadian dub yeah. of that show, even though it is less accurate because, you know, like famously, like they edited out the lesbian relationships and made them cousins and this sort of things, you know, because Ooh. it was for, you know, a 90s audience. It was too salacious for, you know, a kid's show. But I just found that the original actors, some of them are kind of squeaky and annoying, but they have way more character. Yeah. And then I, yeah. I listened to the new dub and it's like, Okay, maybe this is more accurate. And you know the other thing? Mm -hmm. And this is like a terrible like Western audience member problem. <laughs> I prefer the Americanized names Ooh. as well. So I'm used to them. I'm used to Sailor Moon being Serena. The dubs and stuff that I watch, everybody still has the Japanese names. And yeah, it's yeah, still... that's, yeah, the new thing is obviously we're, yeah. we're trying to be as respectful to the original cultures as possible when, you know, translating. But in the old days, you bring a thing over from Japan and you just like... Steve. Rename all, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, Tuxedo Mask was called Darian. So, like, okay. it's, it's wow. Darian and Serena, and in the Japanese version, she's called Usagi. <laughs> Usagi, yeah. And it's just, it's not as nice of a name as Serena. No. Like, Serena's a no. nicer name. Yeah, it's got Sagi in it. You know what's, what's interesting, though, is with, <laughs> at least nowadays, not only do they keep the Japanese names, but they keep all the honorifics, right? It's Chan and San, and they almost have to because a lot of the characters, they reach a point in the relationship where they will drop the San and switch to Chan, and this is like they get emotionally invested, right? Because it's kind of a deepening of the relationship, or... Like in a rom-com, they'll drop the honorific altogether and refer to somebody just by their name. And that's like a big moment. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, I don't know why I got on that. So the point was, you got to do it. Yeah. Listen, let's listen to uh, a track from The Skeleton's Closet. Oh, sure. And you sent me a message and even you referred to this as weird. And I was like, oh, I, I look forward to seeing what, what Brian <laughs> yes. Hazard thinks is weird when I already think his music is weird anyways. Right. And so I was pleasantly surprised. Right out of the bat, the, the first two tracks, I was like, these are really good. Like I was really like instantly I was I was really into these. Oh, thanks. So I want to listen to Anyone Would because it's a cool song and it's by Color Theory.
And that was Color Theory with the track Anyone Would. And I'm here right now with Color Theory Brian Hazard talking about anime. Yeah. And uh, Gwent. Well, I will say, I don't know if you want to actually talk about music just briefly, but I will... I will say this album, Skeleton's Closet, uh, as you know, it is a companion release to Mages, and it's basically a B-Sides album. And it is really hard to promote a B-Sides album because basically what you're saying is, hey, check out my new album. It's not my best stuff, <laughs> right? I mean, it's really tricky. It just stuck in my head instantly. Anyone? Would <laughs> is it the same uh, girl singer like yeah from Majesty she did three songs on Majesty yeah Ra- Raiden Janoy who I'm my friend leader in Norway I'm sure I'm saying Raiden's name wrong but uh, I know how to say leader L L Y D E R is leader apparently just a really cool guy and uh, they are expecting right now so yay um, congratulations to them <laughs> yes so she's been awesome singing on a lot of the tracks and I like the consistency too of bringing her back after a couple years is this just purely B-sides like yeah what about these tracks made you go these don't belong on mages. So they were all, of course, on Patreon. And Anyone Would, I think, goes back. It's the first track I did after Lucky Ago. So it goes back to 2019. But basically, I wanted to make mages a record that could be on vinyl. And then I surveyed my fans and patrons, and they didn't really want vinyl. And then vinyl's taking like a year to get anyway. Mm. But the idea initially was I wanted 10 tracks on the album so that I could do a vinyl. And then these were the six tracks that just for whatever reason kind of didn't make the cut. And I mean, anyone could is the closest to making it, I suppose. But then some of the other ones, like The Examiner, the track two, I love. It's not really synth wavy. Like it's a little, I don't know, kind of the re-space. And it's a little almost like burial or trip hop. Like it's got a different vibe to it, you know? Right. And then Infectious. Infectious was my single that I released at the beginning of COVID. And I didn't want a COVID song on Mages because I wanted Mages to be timeless and not, you know, not reminding you of 2020. Hmm. I mean, you got to admit, like, uh, I don't know how well you know the album, but Master List, that that is a weird song. I have a guitar solo for one thing. I said in the liner notes, I came just short of breaking out a banjo. It's just got this weird like snare thing going on. Like, it's just very different. So I think it works in its own way, but I just, I think the album made more sense. And also the, the D and D kind of theme that I, I, I won't say it goes through the whole album, but you know, there's the song rogues that obviously it's kind of in that same universe. And so I didn't feel like these tracks suited that aesthetic as well. And does skeleton's closet mean anything? Well, okay. So that the song skeleton's closet, closet that feels like it could have been unlucky ago to me like it's got that same early cure kind of sound and that stretched out song structure oh and it has the same chorus structure that you commented on where it's got the short chorus the first time and then later extends as i tell more of the story Mm. so no it doesn't really mean anything to me in the grand scheme of things it just the song tells a story and it makes sense in the context of the story where there's a secret kept and he becomes the skeleton in the girl's closet i don't know if that made sense as a sentence but it makes sense with a long explanation of what the story is so did you ever watch uh, the animated version of beetlejuice i did not because my favorite episode of that show is an episode called skeletons in the closet and Ooh. the premise is 
in the neither world, if you lie, you have a skeleton in your closet. Like, Beetlejuice is basically okay. the entire premise of that cartoon, like, looking back. I used to love it. It was my favorite cartoon in grade three. <laughs> but the entire premise of it, it's all pun-based. Oh, boy. So, like, the whole show is puns from start wow. to finish. And it's basically just a show about, like, just realized puns. Like, anytime anyone says anything to Beetlejuice... He'll like if it's it's some kind of pun. He'll just transform briefly into the thing and <laughs> whatever. So in skeletons in the closet, the, the the idea is if you lie, you get a skeleton in your closet, but it's like a literal skeleton ghost. Yeah. And if you tell too many lies, then they they burst out. And so Beetlejuice lies all the time. God, that sounds like religion. That's scary stuff. Yeah. yeah. So he's so he's constantly lying. So Beetlejuice just constantly goes to everybody and lies all the time. And so his closet is so brimming with ghosts, but he keeps it shut. So. Like, like he keeps on going back and like slamming the doors closed to not let the skeletons out yeah. and then eventually he tells so many lies that the, the closet explodes but Lydia has her own skeleton <laughs> because she lied to her parents <laughs> it's the best episode because it plays this creepy music because the show is normally really goofy but like there's a, there's some cool instrumental music that plays whenever it's like a serious moment uh-huh. the skeletons go like Beetlejuice lied and then like they start <laughs> flying around it's like Beetlejuice hates your dog like going to his neighbors and like saying that and then Lydia lied to her parents and then all of a sudden this like Lydia skeleton ghost has like a different voice and it shoots out of the closet and it's like Lydia lied to her parents and like and it starts flying for earth because it's got a because the whole point is the skeletons go and like tell the lie that you told to the person yeah and anyway that's it well now that's better than my song I feel like (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that it's a ridiculous show it's funny like going back and watching it now like what the fuck was this weird show I used to watch it's like such a bizarre program considering Beetlejuice's relationship to Lydia in the movie you know whenever they would do cartoon adaptations of things it was always funny to me like what they would put the emphasis on right because as a kid I wouldn't think about it and as an adult I'm like Beetlejuice is the bad guy in Beetlejuice. Like, <laughs> right, right. And he tries to, like, do some pretty crazy things at the end in order to, like, marry himself to Lydia. Like, Lydia doesn't like Beetlejuice, but in the cartoon, they're, like, best friends. Oh, of course. So, like, that's the that's premise of the cartoon. Is she's yeah. friends with Beetlejuice. He's always pulling pranks. <laughs> like, that's the thing. It's like, Beetlejuice loves to prank. So he's just a lovable trickster, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in the movie, it's like, <laughs> is he, like, a weird ghost rapist? Like, what? what is Beetlejuice's deal? Like, <laughs> We don't discuss that, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure the kind of pranks he's pulling, like, in the movie version, but... Ooh. Anyway. Yeah. The point is <laughs> that... What, what is the point? It sounds like that cartoon had morals, though, which was... I mean, they're trying to teach you not to lie. I guess. Because that that could happen. It really didn't, though. It was a weird cartoon. Hmm. As I say, though, in grade three, it was my favorite. I loved Beetlejuice. And I still do, but it turns out that when I started watching them again, I'm like, oh, I still have these memorized, even though I haven't watched them in like 30 years. A lot of them, but like the second I started watching wow. Skeletons in Your Closet, I'm like, oh, dude, I remember all of this. Okay. <laughs> Beetlejuice hates your dancing. He's got a neighbor who's a dancing spider, <laughs> this little tap dancing spider, and she's and he hates her. And I'm like, but he's just like, oh, yeah, this real good dancing, Ginger. And then like, but he was lying to her. That was a good Beetlejuice voice. <laughs> This is going to sound weird. I didn't even know that was a cartoon. What? Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice, yeah. Didn't even know that. Oh, dude, I'm going to send you the link, man. I mean, I watched cartoons as a kid. You know, the Saturday morning stuff, the 80s stuff we remember with the... 
I'm just a bill. I'm only a bill. Like the uh, classic schoolhouse rock stuff, all that stuff. Yeah, I saw all that. But why the hell did uh, I see that? I'm Canadian. I don't know. What, what use is it for me to know how the fucking American <laughs> stupid legislation works? That's a very good question. I'm just a bill. Well, because um, I didn't have cable TV, but my friends that had cable, mm. when they watch kids cartoons, they'd actually watch like ABC. I think it was ABC that had like the Saturday morning cartoon morning thing. Yeah. So yeah. on cable, we if we if we watched it, then you'd end up seeing like some of the American little segue things huh. between shows. But if I was watching Canadian TV, obviously I wouldn't see the fucking Capitol Hill thing. We had our own weird Canadian things. We had these things that are super memorable. If you're Canadian, they were called the <laughs> like hinterland who's who, hmm. and they would like talk about owls for like thirty seconds, and it would always start with like this this weird jingle of like this flute, kind of like. And it's a hinterland who's who. And then there'd be like a little thing that would like talk about, you know, snow owl for like a little bit. And the woodchuck, also called the groundhog, is one of the larger Canadian rodents. A mature adult may weigh up to 17 pounds. Anyway, look, the point is this. So you, you learn something. Yeah. And- yeah, we didn't get that. We had the the Schoolhouse Rock and a uh, lot of Smokey the Bear advisories about fires. Yeah. That's pretty much what I remember. <laughs> I've never started a forest fire, just so you know. Well, see, I'm proud of you. Yeah, it had a lasting effect. And I never lie. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we could probably wind this down. Why don't we listen to another song from this album? Let's. And then we can yeah. wrap up. So um, I really like The Examiner. This is a cool song. Cool. And uh, it's very, uh, I just like the sort of the atmosphere and the mood of it. This is the one I listen to the most, actually. I've been listening to this one quite a bit. Cool. And uh, let's listen. This is The Examiner by Color Theory.
was Color Theory with the track The Examiner. I'm here right now with Color Theory, Brian Hazard, just catching up after three years, but now it's time to go. Do you have anything to say about The Examiner? What does it mean? It's kind of, uh, you remember my song, This Whole Nothing, Mm -hmm. is the opener on Mages. I would say these two songs are the closest I get to being spiritual. Mm. So I am an avid meditator. I did a 10-day silent meditation retreat where you literally don't talk for 10 days. Right. Which was awesome. And Vipassana? What is it called again? Yeah. Yeah, it was Vipassana. Exactly, exactly. And it was uh, Goenka is the teacher. He's dead, but he... They have videos. Can I make a joke about him being very silent now? Oh, boy. I'm sorry. Yes. Well, so you meditate for 11 hours a day, which, and honestly, the, the hardest thing to I, adapt I to that is I'm going to double rim shot path. in there, by the way, just so we're clear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Continue. And I, know you, I know you will. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you you meditate for 11 hours, and the, the hardest part of that is that your back just freaking kills because mm. you're not used to meditating for 11 hours. And then you have a, like a one-hour lecture with Goenka. And the last lecture before they set you free and then you could talk to all these people that you've been kind of communicating with your eyes and gestures with for the last 10 days, he tells you that now you need to continue this meditation practice for two hours a day, an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. So that didn't happen. But I did continue meditating and I meditate pretty much every day. I don't think I've I miss days very often. And so that's, you know, that's kind of a big part of my life. So this whole nothing is kind of referring to when, and it's usually when you're meditating, but you you reach a point and you reach a point in the retreat also where you're so in tune to the constant barrage of thoughts and sounds and everything that's going on mentally and eventually when you you're tuned into that it stops and you have like actual silence like you're not saying things in your head which is what we're doing 24/7 but not noticing so it's really about appreciating that silence and so the examiner is related in that it talks about 
studying the examiner. And what, what that refers to is, so the chorus says, uh, I feel it, I hear it, I see it. Who is left to think about it? The idea is that, and this is a cue in meditation a lot of times, is you'll have a thought and you ask yourself to look for the thinker. Who is the thinker thinking these thoughts? Hmm. Who is hearing the sound? Who is seeing these images? And the direction to look inward like that, to look for the self, to look for the ego, the sense of self can fall away. And so that would be what's referred to traditionally as a calling out instruction, would be to look for the looker and study the examiner. Same idea. So yeah. Anyway, that's what that refers to. That sounded really deep. (laughs) It's a cool, catchy song. You don't have to know any of that to appreciate it, but (laughs) that's what I was going for. I like the idea of ending this conversation on this very sort of deep and philosophical note. Absolutely. After we have just talked about a bunch of nonsense and fruits baskets. By how far we've come, yeah. yes. <laughs> What's well, good. It sort of ends in a way where it's like, see, we're a mature adult. We absolutely are. And this is the proof. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, it was fun catching up. Yeah. Come well, back let's do in it again three less than years. Three. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, we, we don't have to wait three years. It's really your call. I'm, I'm available before then. So, Well, who knows, man? Well, well never. I was, about to, <laughs> I was about to go really dark there. Fucking what the hell am I saying? <laughs> oh, we're going to die now? <laughs> wow. Yeah, you better get me on before I die because I'm old. That's what you're saying. Thank you. Well, <laughs> that's uh, but you, but look at that. You're keeping fit. Yes. Having fun. I am maintaining bone density as we speak. That is the most important thing. If there's one thing that I care deeply about, it is my bones. Yep. Small or large. Yep. To be fair, I mean, I probably actually should. I think my grandma had like osteoporosis. So like, uh, you know, maybe I'll get osteoporosis and then you need calcium infusion. Is that, I, I hopefully don't know what that is. Yeah. I, well, yeah, osteoporosis is the one I think where you just, your bones get really weak. Like you have weak ass bones. Right. And then they want you to drink milk, but then milk doesn't actually help. Yeah. <laughs> my grandma had weak ass bones, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something about that. And then you take, and then, it, but if you don't get enough calcium, it actually pulls the stuff from your bone. And yeah, I know, I kind of know what you're talking about, but don't know enough to actually <laughs> say anything meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> this is all a very silly way to end a conversation. Drink your milk, folks. Yeah. Yes. Drink your milk. Don't start forest fires. Go to the gym. Don't tell lies. Yes. Make sure to keep the fruits basket well stocked. Uh, and go check out the music of Color Theory Please. at colortheory.bandcamp.com. Yeah. I was actually correct. Perfect. Except you were. No, that was great. It's the American spelling of color, by the way, for my international listeners. There's no U in there. It's just C-O-L-O-R. <laughs> you fucking yank. Yankees with your no U. Theory. I think people have more trouble spelling theory than they do color, but yeah. Is there like another way to spell theory? Wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know of one single way to spell it wrong, but there are many ways to spell it wrong, yeah. yes. <laughs> Anyways, man, you have uh, you have a lovely day. Uh, keep on making cool music, and I will talk to you again in the future. You gotta talk to you soon. All right, and that was my catch up with Color Theory. Hope you enjoyed that and enjoyed the show. I want to thank you all for listening. Hopefully, the show will be back on a regular schedule. We'll see. I've still got to sort of set up this office, like I was saying, but I'm going to try as hard as I can to get more shows out there because I have, I think, like 10 (laughs) 
banked interviews, and I really don't want them to be a year old by the time I put them out. Which means it might be a while before the next family show, because I think my priority right now is going to be getting all the interviews I recorded out um, before I record a new family show. And there may be a little change to those as well, but we'll see, okay? We'll see. There's still some things uh, going on, but I'm not going to bore you with those things. I'm not going to bother you because you're all having a lovely day and I don't want to I don't want to spoil it with rumors and speculation. I just want to say this. Thank you for listening to this show. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone uh, sticking around and tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash beyondsynth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you. Beyond Synth is made in partnership with your mom. Ha 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 ha!